1: Welcome to Next Step Leadership. I'm Chris Maxwell and Tracy Reynolds is with me. And Tracy, I'm excited about our conversation today that we will be having with a dear friend. Me too. Good to see you,
0: Chris. Today we are delighted to have Dr. Doug Beecham. We just call him Doug, but he's the Bishop of the International Pentecostal Holiness Church. He is a leader of leaders. Uh, I think of him not only as a pastor, but a writer. A uh, prolific speaker, an educator, but uh, I just think more than any of that, he's a child of God, and he's a dear brother and friend. So, welcome, Doug. It's good to have you with
2: us. Tracy, thanks a lot. Good to be with you and Chris, and thank you for the invitation. And uh, we're recording this on a rainy day in Northeast Georgia, but it's sort of
1: bright and sunny in here. Feels yeah, good. Great to me. Excellent. Well, as I you know think back of just the title of this podcast, next step leadership. I look back to in my younger days, uh, which are also in your younger days, (laughs) and you were one of those uh, that spoke into my life, and um, you dared me to be willing to take next steps. And you were that type of leader who did not just focus on your steps, but you were guiding our steps as those who were following your leadership. So I just have to start this by saying these two words, thank you. Uh, Thanks, Chris. I remember those days in a galaxy far, far away. (laughs) Uh, but
2: uh, it's, it's been really rewarding, uh, not so much for me personally, although it's a personal thing, but to see the hand of God at work in your life and what he's done in your life, and Tracy in yours, and you. how the Lord's guided both of you, you men who are making just a huge impact for people. So, Thank I'm, you for I'm encouragement. In, I'm in uh, the presence of uh,
1: two godly, wonderful men of God. Well, we appreciate so, you, and, and let's, uh, let's dive in by you telling us a little bit of your story. How, how did you get from where you were in the past to where you are now, and God guiding you to be the leader that you are?
2: You know, uh, I try not to bore you with too much of my life story. The, I was thinking a little bit about all of this, and, and recently actually been thinking about it because I was part of a workshop uh, on uh, hear, how do you discern and hear God's call? Uh, wherever that might be in your life. And there were several things that came out. One, I was reflecting on early seasons of my life. I grew up as a pastor's kid in uh, the area of Norfolk, Virginia. My dad was a a pastor, and I uh, uh, remember very clearly a couple of episodes in my life, in my younger life, my preteen life, actually, uh, that had a real influence upon me. One was my dad. This is in the 1950s, so I'm telling you a little bit about how old I am. Uh, and I, but in the 1950s, pastors would often do home visits. You know, you would do it with both uh, the husband and wife and, and present. Right. But but I'd be eight or nine years old, and my daddy would take me with him on on a mm. lot of these. And I can remember going with him, and I'd, I'd take a little book or coloring book or something to yeah. keep me occupied but i was i was in the room where daddy would be talking with the uh, the husband and wife and and i really didn't pay any attention to what they were talking about but i i remember the the wife would often bring out cake and mm. to keep me entertained mm-hmm. and and when we would leave the husband would often give me a quarter or something and i'd think this is a great gig <laughs> and I, <laughs> cake and a quarter yeah i mean what else can you want in life you know no wonder daddy goes to these houses <laughs> and you know they're giving him cake and uh, but I tell you what I really remember out of it is at the end daddy would have prayer with the family and he would say to me he'd call me he'd call me Douglas
1: when,
2: when he and mama were serious with me or if I knew I was in trouble it was Douglas <laughs> and he would say Douglas you come over here and, and then we would have prayer and he didn't put me on the spot to ask me to pray but it, I was included in it and I just sort of I grew up in that context. I'd, I'd go over to my daddy's office when he'd be studying, surrounded by books like, like you have here in where we are doing this recording. And the other thing I remember is back in those days, churches had uh, Sunday night service in Pentecostal churches. was really what was called the evangelistic yeah. service. It was actually the biggest service. Sunday schools were real big. Morning worship was not—I mean, it was important, but it was not— the way people calculated uh, what their church was about. And Sunday night, uh, Daddy would always close the service with people coming to the altar. Everybody come, and, and I'd, I'd learned very quickly. My dad would start over, I can picture it right now. If you're kneeling at the altar, Daddy would start at the far left end. I would intentionally come to the far right end, not because I wanted to get away. But because I would peek up and I could see my dad going by, mm. all these people, he'd call them by name and put his hands on their head mm. and pray for them. And it was like an anticipation. I know he's going to get to me. Oh. And he would put his hands on my head and say, Lord, I'm praying for Douglas. And, you know, just different things he would pray. He, he didn't spill how many spankings I got last week. <laughs> and all that. You know, but, but the kind of prayers that a father would pray mm. for, you know, learn how to hear God's voice and all. I can do that to this day. I can still feel, mm. yeah, my father's hands on my head. Yeah. And it still impacts me. And, um uh, mm different other episodes of, uh, you know, how you sort of move through life sensing, okay, this is where God's leading and directing me. And so I've come to the place where I am now, as I've reflected over those years, and there would be a number of other stories, but I've I've realized out of all of that, at each step of the way in my life, somebody was preparing Mm. a pathway for me. Yeah. Uh, Whether I understood it at that point was a separate issue. Hmm. It's only sometimes you look back that you realize this is what this person was doing, and uh, and and to uh, I'm sort of at an interesting stage. I am coming up on ten years of being in the role that I am as the general superintendent of the International Pentecostal Church. Uh, A a position I put wasn't particularly interested in having, to be honest with you. Uh, but my predecessor, uh, the late uh, Bishop Ron Carpenter Sr., who actually passed away nine years ago today.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, uh, Bishop Carpenter and I were very close friends. I was the vice chairman of our denomination, and he passed away, had to retire early because of uh, mm-hmm. c- cancer, uh, and so I assumed the office and. I, I think I really began to sense almost ten years ago that the most important thing I can do in this season of my life, besides the what one would expect of the common elements of, of leadership, of vision, et cetera, all of that, really the most important thing I could do was try to make try to make a pathway mm. for those that are coming behind me. I love that, and I've actually have publicly said. I view myself as almost like a like a bridge being laid down. Uh, I don't mean that in any pious, pompous, uh, you know, uh, pompous way, uh, but but in the sense of okay, it's time for people to walk on to walk over me mm. to get to where God wants them to be. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And and I and I think. I think leaders at a certain stage, and maybe at any point in life, you have to, you have to say, uh, my, my task, as Jesus said, I voluntarily lay down my life. Yeah. No man takes it from me.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Now, I, I don't think I have a messianic complex. <laughs> <laughs> no. I hope not. But, they, but I think the principle that Jesus says, we come to a place in leadership where we lay our lives down for others, hopefully our own family. And then the extended family of God and other people. And you've got to be willing. I I think you have to be willing for people to walk on on you. Yeah. Uh, And there can be a negative side to that, but there's also a genuine positive side to that. Uh, They may not go the way you want them to go. Hmm. But if they will go the way Jesus wants them to go. That's right. That's all that matters. Chris and I were talking, uh, coming over here about... The whole concept of viewing one's ministry as interim. Mm -hmm. It's temporary. Yeah, it's always temporary. This is not my position to hold when I pastored, when I taught, where you guys are, or have been at Emmanuel Mm -hmm. College. Uh, The different assignments God's given me in my life. If you ever start thinking, this is my position, then you're, you're really off track.
1: Yeah. Because it's never ours to preserve. That's
2: right. It's always ours to steward and to turn loose of. Yeah.
1: And And it's always interim. I learned that from you, Doug, as you were—when I was a student at Emmanuel, in each of the roles that you were involved in, pastoring a local church, uh, a professor at the college— But also my personal mentor, you spent time with me, and you found joy in that with your crazy laugh and those (laughs) wonderful times that we could giggle together. But in those deep moments when my mom dies of cancer, Hmm. what does this mean? We prayed she would be healed. She wasn't. Mm -hmm. But you led well through those storms. And then over the years while I was pastoring, I would have you come down and speak at our church, and, and mm-hmm. you and I stayed in touch with each other regularly, and each each of the, the roles that you've been in through conference leadership and now uh, the, the general conference with the denomination, y- you've stayed humble, you've stayed caring, and you have lived out just what you're describing and willing to pass that on mm-hmm. uh, to people to people like us. And that's what Tracy and I want to do: passing it on to those sure. who are listening in, to yeah. those to come next. What are what are we handing to them? Yeah, I,
2: and and you have to be willing to say, uh, in terms of the institution, like for me, the institution of the denomination, that when you're going to hand it to a younger generation, they're going to, they're going to be leading in times that are different than when you led. True. Uh, I think about uh, uh, the times in which we live, and younger people, even students who are students at Emmanuel right now or other Christian institutions, uh, they're going to inherit this century. Hmm. And just as the technology world has changed so much for us from the time we were students, or even the turn of the turn of the last century of the millennium. Uh, God only knows, literally, yeah. what the next 20 years are going to look like on how we do things. Mm-hmm. And uh, a younger generation, the mission of Jesus is essentially the same. That doesn't change. Right. the go- The gospel right. doesn't change. The truth of, of God's Word mm-hmm. revealed in, in both Testaments, that doesn't change. But how we do it. That's right. And, and the implications of that, how we relate to the different cultures in the world, uh, mm-hmm. that's, that's quite diverse. And it's really, it, it, it's, uh, I, I think of the immigrants right now. I learned actually today, my son-in-law who uh, is retired uh, uh, from the Army 30 years, he was special operations. And the very, all last year, he was. He's a defense contractor now. All last year, because of COVID, he was stuck in Afghanistan. Wow! Uh, but he was doing the job he was assigned to do. And when uh, a month ago, month and a half ago, when all the Afghan uh, war mess began to occur, and, and uh, he and I were talking, and there were there were Afghani Christians out of some of the different tribal groups who desperately. We're trying to escape uh, because when an extremist Muslim uh, Taliban environment takes over, uh, pluralism is not a characteristic of that. Right, And, uh, and I learned actually today uh, that this group have been able to get out.
0: Mm-hmm. And
2: he was, he was involved in the operations mm-hmm. of uh, the backdrop of these people getting out. And so he and I were texting, and I, uh, there's a possibility some of them might come to Oklahoma, and and so I asked, "What's their level of English?" And he said, "None." But I was thinking about it. here are people who are basically coming out of uh, of a, an entirely different culture, yes. different language, who are going to be transplanted to the United States, and for them, it's like entering into you might might as well go to the moon,
0: a whole new world, yeah.
2: Yeah, and, and so they're experiencing right now what it is to step into a whole new world, mm-hmm. as you put it. Well, our younger generation who've grown up in our culture or in Western culture, that whole new world is the world they're going to live in. That's right. And uh, so how to release them without abdicating uh, one's proper sense of stewardship that uh, may change from time to time in the mm-hmm. course of your life. Yesterday, uh, I was at Chris's Church yesterday morning, and at the end of the service, he had a he had a, an older couple who knew me when I was thirteen years old, wow. and they were students at Emmanuel College. Wow! So they were there was probably a eight to ten year age difference. Mm-hmm. And they're still very active. They've been faithful to serve the Lord. I've known them most of my life. He had that couple come and pray for me at the end of the service. Mm. And so they're the, they're not pastoring a church anymore. They're not doing what they did most, most of their ministry. But they may be doing, actually, the most important season of their ministry. That's true. Of uh, being in that closet of prayer and support as they are supporting Chris Mm. So, so grabbing hold of wherever you are and and I like that. and exercising that stewardship that has nothing to do with one's position, mm. you know, in terms of institutional position. It has everything to do with one's calling. Mm. and and that that calling into ministry yeah. uh, is, and that ministry takes different shapes, of course. in in the course of one's
0: life you know my dad used to say tracy if you think you're all that stick your hand in a bucket of water and pull it out and see where your handprint was can show me where the handprint was because the reality is that that what we do is significant but if we do it well we're going to hand it off to the next generation i so appreciate the awareness that this is temporary i'm a steward and chris You know, I think I'm reminded of that today. We get to do this because we want to hand this off to our kids and those people in our influence that we just, you know, just being faithful to, to be and to do what God's called us to be and to do.
1: And yeah. what an honor that is. And this is a great conversation. We want to continue this in our next podcast. But thank you, Dr. Beecham, for being with us today. We just love you and care for you. And we'll talk to you again. And in these conversations, uh, you know, our goal is just learning ways to make sure that our next step is our best step.
0: Thanks for joining us on Next Step Leadership, the weekly conversation dedicated to your personal growth and leadership development. Chris and I are so glad you dropped in. You can find us on all your favorite podcast providers. Do us a favor and hit subscribe. And if you really want to help us, give us a rating. We so appreciate your support. Chris Maxwell is the author of 10 books, including "Pause with Jesus, Underwater, A Slow and Sudden God, and his latest book of poetry, Embracing Now. You can find links to all of his work and our social media information at our website, nextstepleadership.buzzsprout.com. Our featured music is by Casual Americans. Their debut single is coming October 29th. Follow them on Instagram at Casual Americans to learn more and pre save their new song, Somebody Famous. We release Next Step Leadership each Thursday, so join us again next week on The Next Step Journey, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step.
1: we yeah.